0: Your word is truth. Your word is spirit. Heaven and earth will pass away. But not even a dot from your word will pass away. Therefore, Father, I pray, give us open ears to hear what you have to say. Let our minds, our thoughts, everything be framed by your word. As Peter said, to whom else can we go? For you alone have the words of life, Father. So today, once again, Father, we come to you and we pray, Spirit of God, speak to us. Speak to us. One speaker, you, all of us, listeners, at your feet. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Today, you you will need extra concentration. I know it's slightly warm, and God willing, by next Sunday we will try to have the ac on but you will need to concentrate because it's more teaching than preaching so we'll go to the first, first first text we have okay we're looking at the order okay okay there's certain orders if you follow in scripture it becomes easier to understand and hear from god okay so this is the beginning People talk about the day of Pentecost as the beginning of the church. Actually, it's not true. The beginning of the church is here. The first set of people who are being born again. Okay, The beginning, the church doesn't begin with the laity. The church began with the leadership. The Holy Spirit didn't go to the multitude first. The Holy Spirit first went to the set-apart Leadership first. This is happening on the evening of Resurrection Sunday. Next month, 21st is Resurrection Sunday or popularly known Easter. Morning, we know he appeared. I mean, Mary Magdalene saw him. He said, touch me not. And, uh, he said, go tell your brothers that I have ascending to my father and your father. That happened in the morning. So we know it's not like we have these traditions that Jesus ascended to heaven. 40 days later, that's not true. You look at scripture, you will know he ascended to heaven on resurrection Sunday morning because he had three part work to do. He had a work to do on earth, which was finished when he said it on the cross, it is finished. And the Bible talks about he had another work which he had to down in Sheol, in Hades. Peter will talk about him going to the Speaking to the spirits that are caught in prison. I'm not getting into that. Because it's a very controversial thing. Let's do it. And then on the third day, scripture says the Holy Spirit raises him up. And he goes to heaven. And the book of Hebrews actually will tell you what he did in heaven. Because everything that, that God asked Moses and subsequently to build on earth, it's just a copy. The real thing is in heaven. So in heaven, there is a tabernacle. There is the most holy place and he entered into the most holy place. Let's have that Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 and 12 so that you know if you are new and you struggle with concepts, then we'll come back to this. Okay, Akshar. Okay, so let us see what Jesus did. Resurrection Sunday morning. Okay, he went up there. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is not of this creation. The tabernacle Moses built, the temple um, Solomon built, was all of this creation. Built with the hands of man, but not this. This was not built by the hands of man. This was built by God. Not with the blood of goats and calves. Here, every high priest entered with the blood of goats or calves. But he entered with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having eternal redemption. So something happened in heaven. Okay, We just given a tiny glimpse over there. I believe Jesus ascended up to heaven. His blood, which was shed on the cross, I personally believe the angels had collected it. He takes his blood. He goes into the Holy of Holies and makes atonement for all of us who would believe in him and would come into the kingdom of God. So first, atonement has to be made. So that is, I believe, the Resurrection Sunday work he did in heaven. After he does that, he comes in the evening. So we will see what we read first is in the evening of Resurrection Sunday. Let's go back. Okay? The same day at evening, same day, evening. Be very careful. Early morning is when Mary Magdalene saw him and he said, hold, touch me not, hold, do not delay me. I need to go to my father. Go tell I have gone to my father and your father, okay? Being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Okay, hold it there, okay? Uh, We will come back to later also. One of the first things, Jesus, you you need to understand, he did not tell Mary uh, Mary Magdalene, peace with you. Did he say? No. But the first words of the resurrected Jesus when he's, Work is complete on earth in hell, and in heaven. The first words of Jesus is peace with you. Because now that atonement has been made for man's sin, peace is possible for man with God. That's why scripture says in Romans 5, we have been justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God. So the first spoken words of the resurrected Jesus to mankind is peace. You can have peace. The enmity between you and God has been removed because atonement has been made by my blood. Peace. That's the first thing he says. He said, peace with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And then, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also sent you. He begins his work. Post-resurrection, he begins his work on earth. And the first thing he said is, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? Remember, three and a half years ago, to Nicodemus, he had said, unless you are born again by water and the Spirit, you cannot see, you cannot enter the kingdom. Okay? Water being the Word and Spirit... So here, the first set of people, the leadership of God's church, the apostles, are born again by the spirit. Life begins. That's the beginning of salvation. The beginning of eternal life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45, scripture says, So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So when you read about Seth and all scripture will say Adam brought forth the son according to his own image. Jesus brings forth children according to his own image. First Adam and the second Adam. Last Adam became a life giving spirit. You always need to understand. The first sign of life is breath. It's not hunger. It's not thirst it is not sound it's none of this thing the first sign of breath first sign of life is breath and that's the first thing god does he breathes into His upon his disciples and they are born again okay born again so remember that is how salvation begins salvation is it's just like a baby that is conceived in the womb, there's so many questions connected with when does life begin and that's the whole abortion debate. Like one state in US just passed a bill, one of the conservative states just passed a bill which is called heartbeat abortion bill, meaning as soon as the heartbeat of the fetus is detected, you cannot abort the baby. Okay? Okay? Now you need to realize, okay, there are so many. Does it begin at conception? Does it begin when the heart starts beating? There are so many questions about it. Okay, But actually you don't need any questions. You just value life. You can just avoid all those questions. Okay, But here you will see the first sign is this. Until God breathes into us, we are not born again. That's the first sign. <clears throat> That's the first sign. Now the apostles are born again. Then he saying, as my father sent you, I am sending you. How did the father send him? Scripture says in the book of Luke, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and he was born of the spirit and he was sent. So he says, as the father sent me, I am sending you. You are all first born in the flesh, but now you are born of the spirit and I'm going to send you. And in that subsequent 40 days after they are born again, Remember, there are different things he does with them. And one of the things he does with them is in Luke 24, verse 45. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Now, the question to be asked is that, why didn't he do that when he was with them for three and a half years and teaching them every day? Because they still wouldn't have understood until they were born again. They wouldn't have understood. That's why he was telling uh, Nicodemus, you see, this is about the kingdom of God. This is not theory. This is about the kingdom of God. And to see and to enter into the kingdom of God, something supernatural has to take place you first. And that is you're born again by the spirit of God. And after that, he opens their eyes. And they start understanding the scriptures which they have heard him teaching for three years. They start understanding. And I have seen this in my ministry over 25, 26 years. I have seen it. I have seen people sitting in my churches in different places where they came regularly and heard, 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 heard. Took notes and all this thing. And I had no clue they were not born again. And then one day they were born again and they came back and said, now we understand. Now we understand. Okay, so that is the key. Until that happens, you don't, you actually don't perceive the kingdom of God is real. It is real. Okay, so that's what happens over here. So, and then he, before he left, he tells them many times, do not leave Jerusalem until you have received the promised gift from the Father. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power. So he subsequently divides into two experiences. One he says, receive the Spirit, breathes upon them. And then he says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be endowed with power. So you cannot make this into two. These are into into one. They are they can happen simultaneously, but they are. In the scripture, two different experiences. You will see Jesus was born of the spirit and you will see the day he was baptized and when he came out of the water, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon him. In the same way, you will see Jesus breathing upon them on the first day, the resurrection day and 50 days later, the Holy Spirit coming upon them because you have to understand the order in which God works. And once the Holy Spirit, you're born by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit starts endowing you with His power. That's just the beginning. Because the Bible actually says, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. What begins is the age of grace. Because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of grace. And the Holy Spirit begins His reign, His 2,000 year reign in the church. The Holy Spirit actually begins His work in the church. Therefore, Peter will tell us in 2nd Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay. So to everyone who is born again and have gone through this order. Through this order. Order can change a little here and there. Okay, Order. But this is, if you go through scripture, this seems to be the order always. And you go through this order, God, Peter, the Holy Spirit through Peter, his last word to mankind is grow. Grow in grace. Grow in the knowledge of God. It's together. You have to grow in both together. If you don't grow in grace, knowledge is useless. If you don't grow in knowledge, you need grace. Okay? Grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior about a person. No, grow in the knowledge of the person of God. Okay? Now if you look at it, the starting point for a believer to grow is to know God. That's it. Knowledge of God is the starting point, And that should consume us. Lord, I am born of you. And I am coming back to you one day. And I want to know you. Knowledge is the starting point. But remember, knowledge alone is not enough. Yes, scripture says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. But knowledge alone is not enough to walk with God. If it were enough, the Pharisees would have walked with God. They couldn't walk with God. They had knowledge about. They did not have knowledge of. Knowledge about is a different thing. Knowledge of is you personally have encountered this person. That's the difference. The other thing you have acquired knowledge about him from scripture, from readings. But knowledge of a person is a personal encounter and you actually know the person. That's why this incredible prayer of Paul. Remember we used to pray in the beginning of our church for years together before we started service from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. That the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. He brings three things over there. He says you need wisdom, you need revelation, but In the knowledge of him. Wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Now We are talking about wisdom and revelation and knowledge only in terms of God and his kingdom. Not not the secular aspect. We are not talking about it. Because in simple terms, knowledge is basically a gathering of facts. And your exams, your writing is a testing of those facts. But wisdom is the ability to apply it. Wisdom is the ability to apply it. That's why sometimes you have mugged the answers, but you never understood the subject. And when you see the question paper, it looks like Latin. Okay. So what did Jesus do? They had walked with him. They all had read the Torah or listened to the Torah. And also after they are born again, he opens their understanding so they could understand scripture. Otherwise, knowledge without understanding, there can be no wisdom. Okay, So we are not talking about secular subjects here. We are talking about kingdom of God. The issue here is that he may give you the spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The Holy Spirit comes in Everywhere the Holy Spirit comes in. And the issue here is, that is why the Bible very, very carefully keeps warning us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. doesn't say do not grieve the Father so much or the Son so much. Do not grieve the Spirit so much. Because if you grieve the Holy Spirit, everything goes kaput. Because He is the teacher. He is the revelator. He's the one who gives you knowledge of God. He's the one who gives you revelation. He's the one who opens the portals of wisdom. He is the one. You grieve him, he backs off. We are stuck with human wisdom. And it doesn't work in God's kingdom. So that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Remember, the prayer is, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1 to 3, okay? Like, I'll try to take you in order. Now this is talking about Jesus Christ and upon him the Holy Spirit came. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Okay, one of the first promises about Jesus Christ is the Spirit of God will rest upon him. And when the Spirit of God rests upon him, what will he receive? He will receive the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might or power, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Actually, if you take this out and you count, it is only six. It's only six. Six I mentioned there. If you look at it, what is it? The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might. That's the power by which he did his miracles. And the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I will give you three verses it's there in the Old Testament also, but three from the Book of Revelation. First is Revelation three and one, to the angel of the saddest right. These things say he who has the seven spirits of God, sevenfold spirit it is. Well, not that God's spirit is split into seven. No, the sevenfold, the perfect Holy Spirit, sevenfold spirit is upon Jesus. Okay, if you come to Revelation 4 and verse 5, And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And If you look at Revelation 5 and verse 6, And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven arms, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of god sent out into the whole world so the holy spirit and seven comes over there but we saw in that it is six so i personally this is my take okay i'm not making it into a doctrine if you look into that six for me the seventh there is a spirit of revelation which is not mentioned there and it is not mentioned there because revelation is a revelation of god through jesus christ So you don't see that in the Holy, in the Old Testament. There are so many mysteries about Jesus that they had no clue. That's why the very honest, godly Jewish rabbis struggle with Jesus. And they will read Isaiah 53 and all in ways that will shock you. They are not able to see Jesus there. What is like so clear to a newborn child of God, they are not able to see. Okay? So I believe the seventh one is the spirit of revelation after Christ is revealed. Just look at the first time when it is the word revealed is mentioned. Revelation revealed and the Bible ends with the book of Revelation. Luke 2. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's. So it was a revelation of Christ. The Holy Spirit told Simon, you will not die until you have seen my Christ. Okay? That is, uh, which is when Peter, who do you say I am? Different answer. And Peter says, you are. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And all this are connected with revelation. Okay? It is not written wisdom or knowledge. It is written as revelation. Because with wisdom, you cannot understand that. You cannot. All the rabbis with their wisdom could not understand Christ. But when God's Holy Spirit reveals, Peter is able to understand. Nathaniel is able to understand. One of the reasons, so I will tell you this simple thing, but a very, very important truth in God's kingdom. The previous day, Nathaniel had said, what good can come out of Nazareth, right? He said that. The next day, Jesus sees him. And one thing Jesus had said about Nathaniel is, behold a true Israelite in whose heart there is no... There is no... No guile. No guile. Actually, if you look in the order, he's the first one to recognize Christ. He tells, Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. His immediate is, my Lord, my God. Why? Why is it so important? Because I'm telling you, it is not about understanding and knowledge and language and all that. If your heart is without guile, you are able to perceive God faster. It's as simple as that. You don't need all these language skills. If you're sitting here with no guile in your heart, you will hear God speak to you. You don't need any of these great things because you will immediately recognize this is God. And Nathaniel, without any encounter, is able to understand this is Christ. And these are all connected, remember, with this whole thing about knowing God. But it all begins with this. The first is, Knowledge of God. Okay. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. And when it comes to the knowledge of God, we have only one source. Primary source, which is the word of God. And Like I said on Wednesday, the most neglected book by Christians. Not non-Christians, by Christians. The most neglected book by Christians is the word of God. Yet that is the only source, actual source, of who God is. The only source on which the Holy Spirit will actually work to show us more and more about His Son. But remember, there is something about this. The knowledge of God, which is the most important knowledge you and I can ever acquire, is the knowledge of God. All of eternity will be still knowing God. Do you remember when we looked, uh, we were talking about at some context, we were talking about the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, remember? And what is the last one? Self-control, very good, Samir, self-control. We told you it is a bolt and a nut. Why? Because if you do not have self-control, all these things will start dropping off. It's not that when you were born again, you did not have love or peace. It's because this control when they all started dropping up. So, what you need is, not, Lord, give me more love. God says, what about this? I'm giving you, you're wasting it. Okay, so what do you need? You need self-control. In the same context, in the same illustration, when it comes to the knowledge of God, knowledge of God, Everything about God for us to understand is held together by this. You see that in Proverbs 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay, It's simply like this. If you are an experienced, careful driver, when you get into your car and you close and you start your car, or before you start your car, the first thing you should automatically do is put your seatbelt That's the first thing. It's the first thing. In the same way, in your and my pursuit of the knowledge of God, the first thing you need to put is the fear of God. That's the safety. That's the safety. If you look at the men and women of God in the Bible who began so well and went kaput later, it's because they took the seatbelt off. That's why scripture says, this is the beginning this is the beginning. When that departs, you have knowledge, but wisdom departs. Godly wisdom departs. That's why always the first thing is put that in. When you wake up in the morning, put that in. Before you even open your word, open your devotions, put that in. Before. Because that's our safety in life. Because we are not worried about this world or this creation. We are concerned about our relationship with the living God and eternity. And the first safety belt he has said is, what happens? Your. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay. Without knowledge, you cannot have wisdom. But the beginning of knowledge is fear of God. And what happens with wisdom? I will tell you what happens. You have to look at it. Go to Ezekiel 28, 12, so you will understand. Okay? This is talking about the devil. Okay? When he was made Lucifer, as he is called. Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. Say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. This is how Lucifer was made. Full of wisdom and perfect in wisdom. When he fell, you'll see iniquity was found him, pride was in him and all. But pride is comes in only when the fear of God departs. When he fell, the fear of God departed and pride comes in. And when the fear of God departs, listen to what verse 17 says. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom. You corrupted your wisdom. The nature of your wisdom changes. When the fear of God departs, even the wisdom of God which you had received earlier, its nature changes. It starts corruption. Corruption starts over there. The wisdom Satan had was the wisdom which God gave him. It's not his own. He, nobody has anything on his in creation. It's all which God gave. But the problem is when fear of God departs and pride comes in, the nature of that wisdom changes. His wisdom was corrupted. Unbelievers. Treat. This dangerous ground. Always. Not unbelievers. unbelievers you don't have, They have, don't have to worry about these concepts. Because they first have to get into the kingdom. But these are struggles. Which believers go through. They're very dangerous ground. Pharisees were full of knowledge. About the word of God. But they resisted Christ. At every turn. And Christ resisted them at every turn. Only to the Pharisees who are full of the knowledge, not of God, but about God, Jesus kept on saying, woe to you Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees because the knowledge wisdom was corrupted. So when you look at how the enemy works in the world, in the church, The life of a believer, what it does, the first line of resistance the devil creates is the word of God. This is the source of knowledge. Now, I'm not asking for a raising of hands and all that. You don't have to. just answer the question to yourself. Now, even students, exams will be over. You will have two months of chutti. Be honest, how many of you really enjoy sitting with the word and studying? So in the first line of resistance, most believers fall. Most believers fall. There they fall. The devil knows that. Because he knows the source of the knowledge of God is the word of God. And it's the preaching of the word. Therefore, at the first line is the maximum resistance. That's where the maximum resistance is. Maximum resistance. Everywhere. It doesn't matter what you are in the church hierarchy. To hierarchy. Struggle with the word of God. Concepts of the word of God. This struggle I remember a long time ago in a particular place in India. I was teaching a one day seminar. I was teaching those days I didn't even know half of what I know today. But I was teaching an entire diocese. The bishop and 52 priests in their cassocks. When I started, every time I always tell them, if you call me to teach, I'll begin with John 3.16. They ask me why. I say because I'm not sure you are saved. And I hope you are not offended. But what I understood as I was teaching is that the priest and the bishop did not know their Bible. And after some time when they saw that I was watching them, they were embarrassed and shut their Bible because they couldn't find the books. <laughs> so it's not just laity. It's not just that we should not use those terms, but they're real, actual terms. Okay? It's not just people. Everybody. Struggles at this first line. First line. And you have to know that and fight it with the grace of God. Know that. And ask Lord, I realize. Realize. The first step of victory in a battle is knowing your enemy. And the first line of resistance the enemy creates in the minds and the spirits of people is this Incredible block to sitting with the word and hearing the word. That's a first, Because he knows the word of God is the true source of who God is. God is. And the devil opposes the hearing of the word at every turn. Because if you do not know what is written, you cannot grow in the living word. Because Jesus is the living God. You cannot grow. The devil knows it was the word that defeated him. And every man who has defeated the devil, defeated the devil with the word wielded by the spirit. Otherwise the devil cannot be defeated. In Ephesians 6 verse 17 and 18 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Which is the word of God, and praying always with all prayer, and even immediately, Scripture brings praying. Meaning, God says, "You are praying itself." Everybody prays, but He says, "If you want your prayer to be effective, use the sword of the Spirit." If you don't use the word of God, that's why the past two weeks we were looking at the promises of God when you pray, demanding or concerning a need, or when you are praying a battle prayer. How do you wield the word? How do you wield the word? So that's what the Bible is talking about. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you have to always understand this. This is our primary struggle. Primary struggle, old or young. Our primary struggle is with this. And you have to know that. Know that and fight it every day. Fight it and ask God for help. So the first line of resistance is here. Satan is most successful here. Why? Because he keeps people from God's word. Take a good look at your Bibles and you will see how new it is. How new it is. Honestly, take a good look at your Bible. How new it is. Let me ask you this question. When you come to church, when you go to work and all that, everybody is dressed very nicely, formally, best clothes and all. Do you go to sleep like this? Has anybody go to sleep like this? When you go to sleep, or when you go home, when you go to sleep, or when you are at home, you don't take that stiff, starched clothes. You want that old, very comfortable. Even if it has a few holes, you don't care. That's the comfortable ones, right? The very comfortable in it, right? Let me telling you, are you carrying these stiff, new Bibles? Or the Bible is those comfortable book, worn out, falling apart, but that is in which you have lived your life? Is that the book in which you have lived your life? Ask the question. That's what God is doing. The first line the devil stops is from hearing and reading the word of God. Because he knows you get it. Then it becomes a weapon In the spirit of God. Who dwells within you. The Holy Spirit. Needs the sword. But if you don't have it. He cannot use it. And you will see. That's the first line. Everybody stops. Because without. The word of God. You do not have. The knowledge of God. You don't know much about God. You don't know what kind of a person is. You don't know how he behaves. You don't know how he acts in a particular situation. You don't know. But that's what you're trying to know. You're not gathering information. You're trying to understand a person. The person of God who actually lives in you. But you want to know how does he. That is called the ways of God. Rambam Moses great prayer. Lord, show me thy. I want to know you. Lord, I want to know you. Look at Psalm 3, that very famous. He made known his ways to Moses, but the children of Israel experienced the acts of God. They did not know God. They did not know God. They had no clue. How God reacted in different, different situations. They did not have a knowledge of God. And later in the book of Hebrews, when God repeats this through the writer of Hebrews, this is what he says. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and I said they always go astray in their heart. Why do they go wrong in the heart? Because they have not known my ways. How do we go wrong? We go wrong because we have not understood God's ways. We don't have the knowledge of this person. We misunderstand. We think this is the way God will react when we do not know how he reacts because the devil has blocked us at that first line. You don't hear the word. You don't read the word. You don't try to ask help from the Holy Spirit to get to know me. First line of resistance is the word of God. So this year, especially with summer and vacation coming in, get a bottle of buttermilk Sit down during your vacation, set out a timetable, use free time, all free time, to get to know your God through His Word spoken. Listen to the messages, read your Word, read your text over and over. Young children always say, if you struggle with English, go get a good news Bible. That's enough for the beginning. Get a simple good news Bible, but devour it. Devour it. Second line of resistance. Okay? After you have knowledge. Now, okay, you have come through. Knowledge. You are now acquiring knowledge. The issue is, like I said, when you are acquiring the knowledge of God, it is like driving a car. It is not how fast you go or how slow you go. It's first safety. You take the seat belt off. What do you take off? And what is that seat belt? The fear of God. Look at what Corinthians says. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. That's why very, very careful. You have to be very, I have to be careful, you have to be careful. We all have to be very careful because this knowledge is very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Because the knowledge of God demands even more accountability with God. It's not the other way. It's not the other way. The more knowledge you have of God, the more accountability he demands from you. But that is why the safety, the fear of God. When the fear of God departs, what does knowledge do to you? It starts bringing in pride. Okay? It puffs up. And the devil is very, very, very subtle. Okay, the Bible actually in KJV, James uh, Genesis 3, the devil was more cunning than any beast. Crafty, N-I-V-U, subtle, S-U-B-T-I-L, subtle, KJV will use. The devil is so subtle because let us say, say he sees Jyoti and Hepzibah and he said, oh, they have decided as soon as exams are over, we are going to sit and study the word of God. And he looks at them and he says, okay, you can't stop them. They are very serious. They are going to study the word of God. Okay? What does he do? He is very subtle. Quietly he will make you take that belt off. Okay. Acquire knowledge. It's good. It's good. Look. Have Look. Sirisha doesn't read a Bible at all. Deepika is not interested at all. The belt is gone. Now you're puffy. I know better than you. I, Deepika, I don't have to listen to you. Just because you're older than me, I don't, I know more than you. The belt is gone. So if he cannot stop you at the first line, he will stop you at the second line. What happens? Knowledge is coming in, but the fear of God has departed. It's very, very subtle. What is, you say that in English? The devil says, if you can't beat them, join them. If you can't beat them, join them. So suddenly you don't realize there is this unconscious presence in your Bible study. Who is there? The devil is there with you. Quite often you feel this light pat on your back. Very good, Hepsi. Very good. Okay, memorize, memorize. Okay? And next time a pastor calls you to pray, use throw in a few Greek words also. Very good. Let people all be, let people all be s- stunned by your knowledge and use KGV, okay? Use KGV. Like one old Malayali pastor was saying, people learn so much Greek, these days they're smiling in also Greek. All very, very subtle ways the enemy, because this is the first line, this is the second line. If he cannot stop you from reading your Bible and gathering knowledge, he will try to join you in your Bible study. Now look at all the others, they don't know anything. Let me ask you this question. What was the difference between Moses and the others in the leadership of Israel? Moses grew in the knowledge of God and he never took that seatbelt off. Never took that seatbelt off. The more knowledge he received, the more humble he became. The more humble he became. You see, fear of God and humility goes together. It goes together. It, it, these are two things which are conjoined twins. The more in you God, the more humbly begin. And Peter and Jude will ex- explain these concepts because these letters and were originally written to the church but also to the leaders. Let's listen to what Peter will say and let's see what Jude will say and later we will look at what Paul will also say. Second Peter chapter 2. Like I said, listen carefully because this is teaching. Especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and they despise authority. They despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. You will see Jude talking about it. Let me put Jude also so you will understand the concept he is coming with. Let's see what Jude says. Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not to bring against him a reviling accusation but said, the Lord rebuke you. I am talking about the world. So, Peter is saying the same thing, Jude is saying the same thing, Jude is bringing an illustration over there. He says when God, uh, Moses died, and uh, Moses' body was buried, and uh, devil wanted to Moses' body, he's fighting, and Michael, now devil is a fallen angel, Michael is a angel with God, but he knew in the original creation, Lucifer was above him, above him. And God's judgment has not been set yet. That is waiting for a day is coming another thousand years from now. So he knew the order. Therefore, he did not, dare not bring against him a reviling accusation. Why? Not because of Lucifer, but because he feared God. And he only said, the Lord rebuke you. Are you getting the, are you getting the, the connection? This is knowledge of God and there is this fear of God. When the fear of God goes, what happens? The word of God actually starts working against us because we start despising authority. Start despising authority. Look what happened in the leadership of Israel. The leadership of Israel, all the leadership had a certain level of knowledge of God. But only Moses grew in it continuously. Reason he feared God and he was humble. Look at the first trouble in Israel. Numbers 12. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Okay? Now Miriam is the eldest sister, much elder, probably 12, 13, 14 years older because she is the one who took him as a baby. And Aaron is his elder brother, three years older. We know Moses was 80 and Aaron was 83. So you have two of them. They spoke Against Moses. And what is they saying? Issue is something else. Issue is because he's married an Ethiopian, a Kushite woman. Issue is our marriage. Okay? But look at what they are saying. Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? You know what they are saying? What they were actually doing was... They were despising authority. Since we all have the same knowledge of God. We all have the same knowledge of God. And they were despising. Scripture says the Lord heard it. Hasn't God spoken through us also? Okay. Michael the archangel didn't say that. He says, who are you? I into the world who was cast down from heaven. How dare you come against me? Am I now the number one? I have to let you pass if you have to go to heaven. He didn't say anything like that. if he had said all that, it would have been factually right. But it doesn't work that way in God's kingdom. Has not God spoken through us too? So you see, they had knowledge and God had indeed spoken through them. But that knowledge, the fear of God had departed. God had spoken through them. Yes, they won't lie before Moses. God had spoken through Miriam. God had spoken through Aaron. And they're talking about that. It's not only God speaks through you. God speaks through us too. But you know what happened? That safety wall was taken away. Look at the second instance again. Now it's from there it moves to a larger group. Number 16. The Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohad, the son of Levi with Datan, Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the son, on the son of Pele, the sons of Reuben took men. Three, they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said, what did they say? You take too much upon yourself for all the congregation is holy. Who told you? You are special. All the congregation is holy. Every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Why do you exalt yourself above the assembly? What does scripture say in verse 4? You look at the difference. Okay, in verse 4 you will say, Moses will go... And fall on his face before God. That's the difference. Okay, that's what exactly when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Okay. So you will see this. Okay, meaning the problem is it's not with the problem is not with knowledge. We need knowledge, we need wisdom. But the problem is once this safety, this thing happens. You and I, all of us, are in great danger of tripping and falling. So understand, knowledge is a double-edged sword. And if you are able to cross the first line of resistance, the devil will meet you at the second line. You see, at the first line, the Israelite congregation stayed away. They said, we don't want to know God. You go find out all about God and come and tell us. But the group of leaders who crossed that and came a little further, they fell at the second line. At the second line they fell. Okay, So one group, large group fell at the first line. A smaller group fell at the second line. That's why the Bible says when the spirit departs, knowledge becomes corrupted, wisdom becomes corrupted. On the other hand, scripture says, if you humble yourself before God, he will actually open up our understanding about him. Because this is, we are not gathering knowledge, we are not gathering facts, we are not gathering information. This is actually a revelation of who God is. So unless the Spirit of God speaks to us, we cannot know Him. We can know about Him, it's useless. We need to know Him. That's what Paul will say, I know in whom. I have believed. Let's look at Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus says the Lord, thus says the high and the lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit. He says, I live in eternity, high holy place, but I also live with him. Who is very humble and very contrite. Okay, let's go to the next one. Isaiah 66 verse 2. For all those things my hand has made. And all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit. And who trembles at my word. What is God actually saying here? He says, if you are humble. I will come to you and reveal myself to you. That's what I'm talking about. The spirit of God has to reveal God to us. If I only understand God by my capacity of English. The bookish knowledge of God. It doesn't help me. It doesn't really help me. It doesn't help me. It doesn't generate anything in me. I need to know the person behind the word. That's what God is saying. I will come. I will stay with you. I will speak to you. I will. I will. And the Old Testament actually talks the humblest man who walked on earth was Moses. Look at when God looks at the issue with Aaron and Miriam and when God comes and speaks, he actually comes see what he says. And he said, if there is a prophet among you, I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision. A prophet can receive a vision. A vision does not mean that you really know God because many prophets can can get a vision then go to another prophet to understand what the vision means. Okay? Okay? Second, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He says, I don't speak to Moses in dreams and visions. How do I speak? Yeah. I speak to him face to face. I speak to him face to face. Even plainly. And not in dark saints. And he sees the form of God. Why then were you not afraid to speak? Why was he not afraid to speak? Why is he not afraid to speak like that? You guys know how I speak to him. Every time he goes into the tent of meeting, you guys all come out and watch. You also have gone there. And he has also gone there. But you know when he goes there, there is a difference. I come down. You've seen that. You know I speak to him differently. Why were you not afraid? What has knowledge done to you? Of course I have spoken through you. I've given you prophecies. I've given you visions. I've told you all this. But, what happened to your knowledge of God? That's why this safety belt. Always, always this safety belt. The reason, Moses always walked in the fear of God. This is the first step towards God to grow. Okay, That's what the Bible says, grow in the knowledge of God. But before you grow in the knowledge of God, Okay. I was taught to drive. I'm I'm not good in certain things. Technical things, I'm terrible. You wouldn't believe when I learned to drive, until today I have a license, but I won't drive. I learned to drive 25 years ago. Okay. And I was taught driving by a retired military driver. Never learned from them. Okay. Okay. He used to smack me. Okay. But that's how they are, because they are military, okay? So they know, as if no seatbelt rule and nothing those days, but military fellows are taught that. Okay? If the old ambassador doesn't have a seatbelt, he'll tie a rope there. Because <laughs> that's how they are trained, okay? That's how they are trained. So these things understand. Oh, I lost the connection. Let me come back. Like I said, yeah, the safety. It's not growing in knowledge that is first, once you understand. The first thing you need to ask from God is, Lord, I need this fear of God. I need this fear of God. Lord, teach me when I get into my car first to put my safety belt. I tell people, "No, you have your safety belt, like Indian terms. You have your insurance. You have your RC book. You have your pollution control. You can drive without fear. Everything is in order, right? You don't have to worry about anybody. You know, only drive safely. Okay. First thing is that safety. Listen, let's learn from Jesus himself. Okay? Now we go back to Isaiah chapter 11. Remember the sixfold spirit, the spirit of all the six. And then the seventh one was, the sixth one was, was the spirit of the fear of God. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. What is his delight? His delight is in the fear of the Lord. KJV's translation is different. I will make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. It's incredible, right? He says, if you have the fear of the Lord, your understanding will be quickened. What this fellow takes 10 years to understand about me, I'll give you to in six months. And I believe that was one of the reasons Paul the apostle shot far ahead of all the apostles. Because he understood the principles how the kingdom of God works. It's not like so much study and hard work which is required. It's not that. You have to understand the principles on which the kingdom of God is based if you want to grow in the knowledge of God. And scripture says, He delighted in the fear of the Lord. So the first thing we ask is, like we always say, the first step is the most important step. The first thing you ask is, Lord, Lord, I want to know you. No, Lord, give me the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And I'll be very careful, very careful with how I deal with things of God. Very, very careful, Lord. I want to be very, very careful because it's a very dangerous road. Lord, fear of the Lord, knowledge of God, wisdom, revelation. That's the order it should go. Lord, give me revelation. God says, start from there. If you don't get your step one right... And advance in two and three, it will become a trap. You did not concentrate on that first one and constantly, it's like reflex action. Constantly put that on before you drive. You know, like you put it on and you had an accident but the seatbelt holds you back. Accidents can happen. Of course, accidents can happen in every believer's life. No, accident. David made a big boo-boo, a big accident. He thought he wanted to really please God. Everything was good in his heart, but he made a big boo-boo. He took all these 30,000 men, put the ark in the covenant, in the cart, and all that. What one man died. The ark slipped. Uzzah put. Uzzah died. And scripture says, David was angry. And next verse, David was afraid. Read carefully. Scripture first says David was angry. Then what does it say? David was afraid. Accident ho gaya. Rabba, rabba. But, accident ho even my accident ho But he always had his safety belt on. He was afraid. And therefore, God is able to give him understanding in the next three months. I love you. I understand what you wanted to do, but you didn't check with me. That's not my ways. Check and find out what is my way. And if you do it my way, I will glory in what you are doing. And three months later, the ark is in the city. Because so remember, it's not that accidents will not happen. But if your first step, step one is not there, or you did not focus on so much on step one, you had a little of it, then you went to two, knowledge is increasing, wisdom is increasing, success is all happening all around, and you forgot to keep on putting your safety belt, it is a trap. That's what happened to David's son. Solomon began, well, I believe he had a fear of God in the beginning. But then, no, he didn't focus on that. It's a problem with young people or people who have not gone through rough phases in life and encountered God at every turn. David had gone, encountered God, so he had a different experience with God. Solomon didn't have. Solomon had a cushy, easy life. So he'd never experienced God like his father had. The safety belt was gone. He was progressing in knowledge and wisdom, and after a point, he corrupted his knowledge and his wisdom. Now at the end of his life, he's an old man. Old man. He what? Hopeless man. No joy in his life. I don't know whether he would laugh in his last days. Miserable man. Not that he didn't have anything. He had everything. Miserable man. And his final last words to mankind is in Ecclesiastes 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Fear God. This is the only thing that gives me hope that Solomon scraped through. But I am very definite when you look at how God works. He will be nobody big in heaven. He will be one chota mata fellow. Because he lost it all. Because he took that safety belt off. Safety belt off. Okay, That's what the Bible is talking about. Okay, we take this. Now, Michael has incredible knowledge about God and God's ways and everything that happened in eternity past. But his belt is strictly on because I don't even know where judgment has been set for angels. Even they are waiting for their positions in eternity. And Michael says, man, I'm not going to goof up by fighting with Satan. The Lord rebuke you. Okay, I'm not fighting with you. Because he doesn't want to hear probably in eternity. Michael i remember what you said that day to lucifer you go there gabriel you take his place he doesn't want those things nothing is said eternity is just coming judgment day is coming where all this will factor in what happens in the new creation so you need to realize major on what is important because solomon is like a guy who inherited everything, increased it everything, and then went to the casino and gambled it away in one day. All gone. Gambling. Gone. Everything. He's like that fellow. What wisdom, what understanding, what knowledge God had given him. Everything went away. Why, why did it all go away? Because of one thing he didn't put. So always we tell, be careful, consistently come back to it because the fear of the Lord is what keeps your safety. As you grow in the knowledge of God, you have to keep growing in the fear of God. And scripture says, like Jesus, soak in it. Delighted in the fear of the Lord. That is in Isaiah 11 and verse 3. Is it written in the new covenant? Yes. Yes. Hebrews 5, 7. Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered a prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, was heard... Because of his godly fear. Every day when Jesus early in the morning and started praying, God was not listening to his word first. God was not listening to his supplications first. God was looking at his attitude of his heart first. Do you have fear for me? Do you fear me? You come in the flesh. And he was heard. Not primarily because of his supplications. He was not heard. Not primarily because of vehement cries. He was not heard because of copious tears. He was heard because of his godly fear. All the others are good. If this is there, if this is not there, God says, you are on a dangerous road. And I believe this is something which he had even as a child. Because look at Luke chapter 2 verse 52. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. Favor with God and favor with man. As he is growing in wisdom, he is also growing in the fear of God. The safety belt is there. Very, very, very careful. Okay, This is the wisdom of God. You cannot grow in it unless you delight in the fear of God. It is something that is spiritual. You keep asking you keep holding on to it. this is not something that is a physical thing it 's a spiritual thing because these are the yardsticks by which judgment will take place that 's what God is talking about. So go back to the basics: fear of God, not fear of man, fear of God, fear of God, fear of man is a snare remember ten matthew ten twenty eight do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him. I I don't want to make this into like some pastors and all, no, try to make it very sentiment. No, God does not mean fear. He means awe, reverence. No, he means fear. This doesn't look like awe and reverence. It looks like fear. Fear him who is able to throw you into hell. What awe? Oh. Go to the criminal court before the judge. You won't see. Oh, you will see people trembling over there, knowing that this man, one seal gone, you are in for ten years. You have to see people trembling. No, oh, there. It will be a one puny little fellow. Once I was in Katarikara, I think in my hometown. I just went there. To this thing, I think, was something. Event. I went just somebody said, "Let's go see a court in session." Court in session. It's a tiny little thin little old lady sitting in the chair, you have to see the trembling in the court because she may be sitting like that but once the order is passed then you know where you will end up. There is no awe reverence over there. There is only trembling there. You see sometimes our interpretation is also to feed the flesh of man. Okay? Jesus is very clear. He never negotiated with these things concerning his father. He says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. Okay? Who are those? Don't be worried about the policeman with his Lati, the soldier with his gun, because these are all fear. The father with the cane, all these things. Okay? Don't be so afraid of them. They cannot kill your soul. But you are very afraid of them. But he says, fear him. Who can throw your soul, destroy your soul and body both the difference is that when your father or teacher gives you one it hurts okay some of the children will act i Oh, so they are dying and all okay okay good act to the action and all that but after some time it goes right god says when i put you in hell the fire never dies the worm never dies and your body never goes away It's eternity. He says, fear him. Fear him. Fear him. These momentary afflictions are a reminder of eternal ones that will come. And therefore you grow in the fear of God. Fear of man will keep you out of heaven. The fear of God will draw you closer to God. That's why we need to know these truths that are important to the kingdom of God. And none of this can be manufactured. This has to be given by God. And every day, early morning, wherever you are, when you go before God, these are the things that you seek from God. These are the things which have eternal value. Lord, give me the fear of God so that I know, Lord, how to walk with you and how to deal with man. Because these are the real, true source of all knowledge. Because without the Spirit, nothing happens. We will die. We will not grow in the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, if He has to work in us, one of the first things the Holy Spirit demands from us is fear of the Lord. I want to show you something in the New Covenant. I didn't give it to you, but I will just as a reminder. Okay, how the Holy Spirit works. This is found in Acts chapter 5, 10 and 11. Okay? Now what's happening in the book of Acts church is all kinds of miracles a powerful preaching from the apostles and everything is happening. Miracles are happening, signs and wonders. All this happens. What happens is when all these things happen, we also get a little complacent about God and forget who really is. So two people try there to do one jugad, an Hindi term, one jugad over there. What happened? He died, she died. She fell down straight away at his feet, yielded up the ghost, and the young man came in, found her, found her dead, and carrying forth, buried her near her husband. And then what happened? Great fear came upon the whole. What did God do? God restored what was going out of the church. He restored. restored. This is this is for your protection. this is for your safety. This is for your safety. He restored what was going out of the church. Because without it, you and I cannot grow in the knowledge of God. Without it, we cannot grow with wisdom and understanding. And we need to realize that's the most important thing which we know. You don't want to end up in heaven and think, find out that God is a stranger. It's a stranger. It's a stranger. The Holy Spirit wants to take you and me through this journey on earth, that when translation takes place, we're not going to go into a strange place or meeting a strange person. He is the fairest of 10,000. He is the one you and I longed for. A person we always knew deep within. That's the question Eliezer asked, Rebecca's brothers and family ask, will you go with this man? She says, yes. They say, stay 10 days. She says, no, I'll go tomorrow. It's a long journey from Haran to the promised land. And I always ask what kind of a journey it must have been. Rebecca is going to Isaac. She's never seen Isaac before, but I believe there is one man here who knows Isaac. Who is that? Eliezer, the chief servant of uh, Abraham's estate. He knew Isaac from the day he was born. And he has brought him up. And he knows Isaac so well. I believe the entire conversation between Rebekah and Eliezer, the whole way, is about Isaac. They must have passed hamlets and villages and towns and all. But there is no questions. But scripture says, when they were nearing Abraham's house, Isaac had come part of the way. And Rebekah sees Isaac And he asked Eliezer, who is that man? Who is that? Why does the question arise? I believe because that figure tallies with everything that I've heard about about him from you. And Eliezer says, that's your Lord, your master. Scripture says she alighted from the camel and covered her face saying, I come under your authority. That's what God is talking about. This journey If you want to know him, you and I will never know him aside the Holy Spirit. We will never know him aside the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways to guard the spirit is guard the things which are important in the kingdom of God. And that is the fear of God. And Jesus delighted in the fear of God because he has come in the flesh to do the greatest work man will ever do. And every point of the way, he needs the spirit to speak to him. He needs the spirit to speak to him. Without the spirit, he cannot do that work. He cannot do that work. And if he needs the continuous fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he knows what he needs to delight in. And scripture says he delighted in the spirit of the Lord. So first there has to be a hunger, real hunger to know God. Don't forget the purpose of life is to know God. That radical statement which I put on the... What's up to the church group? Paul will say in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. Powerful. What a man. Was, I admire him. Okay, radical. Can I have that 2 Corinthians 2 1? I determined this within myself. Oh no, no. One second. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 1. Uh, verse 2. Can I have verse 2? I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's unbelievable. Do you know what He's saying? He's saying, this was my life. When I started my life and understood this one who met me brighter than 10,000 suns is Jesus of Nazareth, the one I was perceiving all my life is Him. I decided all I want to know is Him. All I wanted to know is Him. And then he says, when I came to you, I didn't want to know you. I wanted to know him in you and nothing else. I don't want to hear about your story and your problems. I want to know the Christ in you. And that's all I'm interested in. I'm not interested in other stuff. That's what he's saying. Among you, except anything among you, except Christ and him crucified in him. What a man. What a man. What a man. That's what he's talking about. These are the kind of statements of mortals that should move us and says, wow, wow. That's what he says, forgetting everything. I pursue him for what he took hold of me. And God is telling, yes, I want to reveal more than you are desired to know me. I want to reveal myself to you, but I am a father. And I have put this safety walls so that you are not destroyed. And the first thing you need in the pursuit of the knowledge of God is delight. Ask from my spirit. Ask. Yes, you wanted wisdom. Yes, you wanted the spirit of counsel. Yes, you wanted might. Yes, you wanted knowledge. Yes, you wanted revelation. But he says, do you know about my son? What did he delight in? With the might he could heal everybody who came to him. He could stop the storms. He could feel millions. He could raise the dead. But he didn't delight in that. With his wisdom, he could confound every learned Pharisee. He didn't delight in that. What did he delight in? He delighted in the fear of the Lord because it kept him close to his father. So these are how we look at it and we reorient our life and say, Lord, that's what I desire to grow, scripture says, in the knowledge of God and then grow in Wisdom. Without knowledge, you cannot have wisdom. First is knowledge. Then wisdom is an application of the knowledge. The knowledge of God. Oh, this is how God does. That's what, okay? So, uh, poor man David, he was all excited. Very young man, no? very excited. Oh, God, Jerusalem, Final Jerusalem, now we have to ask, he's all excited. But he didn't check with God. He understood that God would be pleased with his ways instead of understanding God's ways. So three months later, when he received the knowledge of how God's ark should be taken, he applied it. That's wisdom. He inquired, found, applied, scolded the Levites and said, isn't this what is written in the books? Why didn't you do that? Now carry it on your shoulder. Now with great rejoicing, the ark is coming in and there is no casualties. There's no casualties over there. Great, only casualties, Michal's womb was shut because she despised the worship. So she was shut down. That's barrenness came in. Okay, so what you are looking up at that, you and I need wisdom. So you go through these parameters of fear of the Lord as we start growing in the knowledge, keep the seatbelt on continuously, never forget it. First prayer, the first time in the morning is, Lord, give me the spirit of fear. Help me to delight in it. Then, Lord, let me grow in your knowledge. After that, what we need? We need wisdom. Now, about wisdom, this is what the Bible says. James 1. Okay, when you young ones call me in the morning for exam prayer, I use this, but this is not meant about exam and all. Okay, this is connected with kingdom of God and the wisdom of God. But children, no? God will say, okay, go, but technically, this is not about it. It's about something else. Okay? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. He says, God is not a conjoice. No. Oh. oh, you have to understand the struggle students face in schools and all. If two students are good and both are like competing with each other, the other fellow won't show him in the classroom what he's writing. If flu was the worst. If you wouldn't find any book, your reference book. Because they are always hiding it here and there. You could only take three or four books. You are only given three cards or four cards. I forgot. But you needed more than that. You could never find it. Because the other fellow who is doing research in the same subject, he knows what you are looking for. He will take it out of the linguistic shelf and put it in Sponetics. That's what half the time people are trying to see the others won't learn. But not our God. When he made loose fear. He made him full of wisdom. Knowing that he would go against him. There is no. Fear in God. He is not conscious about any of those things. He gives liberally. That's what. Let him ask of God. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. It will be given to him. But there is a condition. The next verse. Let him ask in faith. He will say, Ayo, again, faith has come there. It is impossible to walk with God without faith. You ask anything from God, he will say, connect it. Faith is the connector. Ask in faith. Without doubting. You cannot have faith and doubt. You cannot have both. If you doubt, you don't receive from God. Let him ask in faith. Faith comes from? Hearing. Hearing from thee? You understand the principles of how kingdom of God works. And you are crying out to God with Urim and everything but scripture says God refused to speak to Saul. Why? You have no faith to ask me son. You have no faith to ask me. Let him ask in faith. Without faith? It's impossible. Faith comes from? Hearing. And hearing from the? Word of God. the Wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of God. And God says, you can ask in faith. Don't doubt. You can ask. I'll give you. I do believe he will give you. Even in your classrooms and offices and all the situations, he will give you wisdom. He will give. We need wisdom. That's why Solomon asked for wisdom. And there was very, very difficult situations and God gave him wisdom. And they were amazed at his wisdom. But that was not Solomon's wisdom, it was God's wisdom. Until he corrupted it. The wisdom of God. Now let's go to First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. However, there are two types of wisdom. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of disease who are coming to nothing. He says there are two wisdoms. Please remember, there are two sources of power. There are two sources of wisdom. First source of power, God. First source of wisdom, God. Second source of power, devil. Second source of wisdom, the wisdom God gave him which he corrupted. He says, we are not talking to you that wisdom. We are not talking to you that wisdom. It's just not not that one. On the other hand, verse 7, we speak the wisdom of God. In mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now the question is that, what is he talking about? How can the wisdom of God be a mystery? For the first 4,000 years of human history, the wisdom of God was a mystery. Because the wisdom of God is Jesus Christ. And they did not know. Which we speak now, Paul says. All the prophets did not know the wisdom of God was Jesus Christ. It was a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Need to understand the concepts in the Bible about raven when it talks about wisdom. God's wisdom. Now how do I and you and I get this wisdom? Verse 2, 2.10. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Without the spirit, you will not receive the wisdom of God. So God again says, don't grieve my spirit. Don't test my spirit. Don't quench my spirit. It's the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man, not the wisdom of this age. He reveals it through his spirit. And verse, verse 2, 12 and 13. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. There are two spirits working. Two spirits working. He says, you do not receive the spirit of the world which brings the wisdom of the world. You have received the spirit who is from God. That we might know the things that have been given freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches. But which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So you will realize to understand spiritual things. It is impossible without the Spirit of God. And there is this continuous progress with the Spirit of God. Otherwise, after some time, you will realize you are 72 and still reading good news. Why? You are not able to go further. Not able to go further. This is a continuous progress. Then only things will start falling into place. Faith is so important. Without faith, I cannot even receive... Wisdom. And he says, let him ask in faith. And God gives liberally. That's why Peter will say, our faith being more pure, precious than gold. It is refined. It is tested. Faith comes from? Remember that. Without faith it is impossible to? And by faith, receive the fear of God. By faith, delight in it. By faith, humble yourself before God. By faith, Receive grace which God gives. By faith, grow in the knowledge of God so that God starts revealing and then you start receiving wisdom and then you start applying it. But remember what Peter and Jude says. Be very careful as you traverse this path. Be like Moses. Don't despise authority. Don't despise authority. Listen to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 and 2. But I know this, in the last days, Perilous times will come. For men will become lovers of themselves. Whole list is given. Perilous. But what is the issue there? In verse 5 he says. They have a form of godliness. But they deny its power. Outwardly religious. Inwardly they don't have that. God says turn away from them. And look at verse 7. That is the interesting part. Always learning. Always learning. But never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They can sit there with every commentary in the world and sit. Yet they get no revelation, no wisdom. Because one thing, they don't have the fear of God. So God doesn't speak to them. And God says, be very, very careful about it. Be very careful about it. Because there are two sources of wisdom. One is God. One is the devil. One is the fear of God and humility opens the door. The other one, knowledge comes in and puffs it and the wisdom gets corrupted. And be very, very careful. And the Bible, very clearly, James talks about it so clearly. Nobody else speaks about it so clearly. Look at James chapter 3 and verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. He connects humility, meekness, And wisdom. That's what Jesus said. Come and learn of me. I am meek and lowly. Understand concepts. Wisdom and meekness goes together. Pride and knowledge goes together. But when knowledge is translated into wisdom, meekness comes in. Otherwise pride will take you in another direction. And that's what happened to Satan. He corrupted his wisdom, but Moses was meek. Than anybody else. So God would speak to him face to face. And give him the revelation of the first 1500 years or more of human history. First five books of the Bible was written by the meekest man on the earth. Not the smartest man on the earth. Understand. Absolute revelation of God from the beginning till that time. Was spoken to a man. Because he received the meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. And this cannot be constructed. These have to be understood and sought. Jesus was meek. Moses was meek. Verse 14 and 15. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. You just check your heart check your heart. If these are the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart and you are actually learned, you are actually smart. I'm not saying you are a fool. You are actually smart. Your wisdom did not come from above. Your wisdom is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Source is the devil. Source is not God. He says all wisdom is not wisdom. All knowledge is not knowledge. The knowledge of God and the knowledge of wisdom is connected with humility while there is a demonic one. And he says, your heart will show it. Second Timothy 3.8 Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these who resist the truth. Suddenly he brings a historical situation over there. There is Moses... And Aaron standing. Now in the new covenant we know the name of the magicians of Pharaoh. The ones who contented with. Aaron puts his rod, becomes a snake. They also turn their rods into snake. So they had wisdom. They had power. But their power was earthly. It was sensual. It was demonic. While Aaron and Moses was from above. And they were meek men. That's why what happens ultimately, the snake, the rod of Moses, swallowed the rods. Ultimately, what God is saying, those who are meek and humble, the wisdom of God in you will prevail over the wisdom of this world. It will prevail. You cannot stand before the wisdom of God. But the way the wisdom of God comes, he says there are attitudes of the heart. And that, those are the things we need to be, because everybody is after knowledge, exams, promotion, Which ultimately, it's all good for this life, ultimately will mean nothing in eternity. Nothing in eternity. Nothing. So keep your heart in the right place. Let's go back to James chapter 3, verse 17, again. Yeah. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's pure. The first thing about the wisdom from above, it is without malice. It's pure. Why? It is coming from God. So if the wisdom that I receive from God is pure, and to receive it, what do I need? Purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. They shall see God. Understand concepts. The wisdom that is from God is first of all it is pure. Matthew 5, 7 or 8 will say, blessed, 8 will say, blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. And let's go back, Yeah, let's go back to that. First of all it is pure. Second it is, it's peaceable. It's peaceable. Wisdom is, Peace. What are the first words Jesus speaks to man? Post-resurrection? Peace. Comes a week later, what does he say again? Peace. What did Jesus tell you and me when you go to a house, what is to say? Peace. You know this peace? This peace is not like what you and I are thinking about. This is a real, tangible peace. That's the peace which God gives you. It's a peace in the midst of your storms and trials, this peace is unaffected. Unaffected. And you can actually, if you walk and practice as Jesus says, you will actually know when you walk into your house whether there is peace or not. You will know. There's no peace. It's tangible. That's the first thing God says. The wisdom God gives is peace. In demonic wisdom, there is no peace. Peter had peace in the prison. Paul and Silas had peace in the prison. Jesus had peace in the midst of the storms. And these are all real and experiential. You can really experience it. Because these are manifestations of the kingdom of God. For the, this is the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the. It's not this. This is real. We will do all the jugat, New generation juggads. These are called. But when the storm comes, hands goes down, head goes down, weeping, sneezing, all gone. But God says, "I'm testing you." I'm putting you through this so that you will know. How real is the kingdom of God? Because Paul will say the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It is a matter of power. That power is demonstrated. I like Peter's situation. Herod killed James and when he saw the people who were very pleased, he put Peter thinking that after the festival is over, he'll execute him too. And scripture says he was chained. Between. There were two or three gods. Two are here. Two by the door. Another two by the door. And the angel just walks through. And he's so fast asleep peacefully. Smacks him. Wakes him up. Chains fall off. They are still sleeping. Only God can do that. Wake one man and keep the other two in deep sleep. And then the doors open. Doors open. Doors open. Takes him to the street. He's free. But once you are free the angel leaves you alone and goes. Now you decide where you want to go. He doesn't support your will. Angel doesn't say, Peter, Bible study is going over there. Okay, he doesn't say. And scripture says he went straight to the house where they were praying. Right? Pick up your mat and go. Jesus did not tell him where to go. We didn't tell him where to go. He says, pick up your mat and go. But when he, after 38 years, received his healing and the power of God flowed into his life, he picked up his mat and he went. And scripture says he went to the temple. And Jesus found him there. And this time Jesus said, do not sin again or something worse will happen. He doesn't tell. He just sees the choices we make because God doesn't want slaves. He wants people who out of their free will will make choices according to the wisdom he wants to give us. That's what God is talking about. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. And this is the kingdom we are called to seek. In this kingdom, God says, Grow in grace. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. Grow in the knowledge of God. And as you grow in the knowledge of God, that wisdom comes. And the wisdom, first of all, is pure. and Second, it is peaceable. Meaning, it gives you peace. Incredible peace. In the midst of your storm. It gives you peace. You are not shaken. You are shaken. While the other one, wisdom, you are always shaken. Always shaken. So we stop with wisdom here today. But let me give you a snippet. But what about revelation? What about revelation? The whole Bible ends up with revelation. Now we need revelation too. No? I'm just giving you a simple, tiny little five minute study. How to understand revelation. We'll go to Acts chapter 8 verses 26 to 33. Okay, One man... Full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, was asked to do Jyotiaka's job. That is to serve after service. And today, if somebody was full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit to get them to do that, unless the seatbelt is there, they won't do it. But Philip went and did it. Okay? And then suddenly, because he was faithful there, God lifts him up. He becomes one of those great evangelists. Okay? And that is it. Now, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise. Go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? Interesting, right? Go to verse 29. What do we learn from this? The Spirit said to Philip, go near, overtake. overtake. Okay. Overtake. Listen very carefully. When you read this, don't get excited about Philip. The lesson here is, God says, listen to my spirit very carefully. What he's telling you. He told him something very carefully. Listen carefully. He's telling, because he's telling, go near and overtake the chariot. Now this is a chariot. It's a chariot. This is a man. This is a chariot. Unless the Holy Spirit gives you the power to do what he's telling to do, whatever he tells you to do, he will give you the power to do it. You cannot overtake a chariot. But we know Elijah overtook a chariot. The king's chariot. Okay, and you will see the Holy Spirit had anointed him. But you need to realize, listen carefully, whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to you. He says, Go near and overtake the chariot. And what does scripture say? Philip ran to him. And the Holy Spirit says something. There has to be an equal urgency in our heart. What scripture say? He ran. Because God has planned out everything in his time. And he's calling us to do his work. Now let me tell you simple mathematical deduction. Instead of running if he had walked... Everything has been timed perfectly by the Holy Spirit. Okay? If he runs, he will overtake the chariot. And the point he overtakes the chariot, he will be listening to this man reading the scripture which he needs to interpret. Otherwise he will miss his text. Miss his text. There are appointed things by God to be done by us in his power at appointed times. Hear carefully and make haste. This is revelation. Make haste. Don't lag behind. If he had lagged, he would have missed his text. Scripture says, he reached. What does Scripture say? 31, 32. And he says, how can I ask unless somebody is? He asked Philip, the place in the Scripture which he read was this. What are the Scripture All about Jesus, what just happened a few years ago in Jerusalem. He said, you don't understand this. Let me tell you who is the sheep and who was slaughtered. Let me give you. He used that text and gave him the gospel. Look at the timing. Everything falls into place. It has such incredible effect because everything is timed by the Holy Spirit. And a man who listens to the Holy Spirit and obeys the Holy Spirit and runs and doesn't walk, make haste, runs. This is the key. And what happens? 34-35. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus. That scripture. That was God's appointed time. Okay, Because we all walk in this and hear from God There are appointed things which God has appointed for us to do in His kingdom. We will not miss it. That is what Hebrews writer was talking about. Labor to enter into His work, into His rest, cease from His works, so that actually His works can begin. What happens after that? Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, here's some water. What hinders from me being baptized? How many years have you waited for baptism? Look at what happens in the life of a man when there is a man who is obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The man is ready for baptism. If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It is a totally supernatural intervention by the Holy Spirit to a man, through a man who is submitted to the Spirit of God. There is he. He commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And he baptized him. And the next words you don't have to say it will come. And the spirit took Philip away. And the eunuch happily went to Ethiopia. Here. Because of a man's obedience. Begins the gospel in Africa. And you have one of the world's. Oldest Christian community. Till today in Ethiopia. Because one man. A simple man who was asked to wait at the tables was faithful to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. takes. Instead of all our struggles, all it takes is to hear from the Spirit. To hear from the Spirit, God has put these parameters. First is when you get into your car, Put your seatbelt. Then drive according to the knowledge you have. Don't become an F1 race driver. According to the knowledge. Okay? And second, grow in knowledge. As you grow in knowledge, grow in grace. Always keep that safety. If you keep that safety belt on, you can actually traverse through any crisis in life. Any crisis in life, just put the seatbelt on. But I fear you. I fear you. I fear you. Moses feared God. He went through every crisis. And every man he brought out, he saw them dying, 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 falling dead each day. Every man. But God walked with him. Till his last day. God says, I who inhabit in Eternity, I also inhabit with him who has a broken and a contrite spirit. Actually proved in the Old Testament in Moses' life. Until his last day, God walked with him. That's salvation. What is salvation? That man can walk with God again. What was lost in the garden was restored by Jesus. That's salvation. And if everything, anything else in your and my life is bigger than that, we miss the purpose. Of Christ. Coming. And this is the season. We come back. We come back. Old ancient fathers and all put this 40 day Lent season and all is to restore people. Come back. Come back to God. Come back and restart your walk with God. Know God. Grow in knowledge. Grow in wisdom. And revelation. What was our prayer? This is my prayer. Lord give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation revelation. And I'm telling you, without revelation, you will not survive this age. You will not survive. You will not survive. You and I need not just knowledge and wisdom. We need revelation. Amen? Shall we stand up? Father, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. All I can, Father, in your strength is teach us The concepts of your kingdom. This is how your kingdom is. This is how your kingdom works. And the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. And I pray, Father, that we would have learned something to walk always in the fear of God. And then we will have wisdom and understanding how to go through life. Young ones sitting over here, older ones sitting over here, all ages sitting over here. But we all need to hear from you. There is so much to be done in everybody's life. And so much for everyone to do in thy kingdom. Help us to hear as Philip heard. and When we hear from you, make haste. To make haste. That we don't miss your appointed moment in history. Because this is all about you. This is not about us. This is about your kingdom. This is about your honor. This is about your glory. Even our faith, your word says, being more precious than gold is being refined like gold is in fire so that at the day of Jesus' revelation, it should bring him praise and glory. It's not glory for us. It's glory for you. Because the body cannot have a glory apart from the head. So I pray Father, we will walk in what we have heard. And every morning, everyone we hear, we will start with those little steps. Humble ourselves before Thee. Put on that safety belt of fear of God and delight in it. And then grow in grace. For you say, you give grace to the humble. While you resist the proud. Grow in grace. Grow in knowledge. Grow in wisdom. And grow in revelation. Bless your people, Lord, today. So again, as a church, we pray, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Christ Jesus. Give us, Lord. Bless us. Send forth your people with your blessings and with your power. Help us not grieve your spirit. To Be always conscious about your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Father. As we go into another week, the last week of this month, I pray your presence will be even more real in the days that are ahead, Lord. God of our hearts, God of our minds, God of our footsteps. Thank you, thank you, Father. Now by faith we lift up holy hands and we we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We confess and we proclaim, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, Lord. Thank you, Father. All this we ask and we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.